It used to be that in rural communities on Prince Edward Island, the local telephone operator was the central clearinghouse for all types of information. If you wanted to know what the hymns were for church on Sunday, or whether Mrs. McIsaac had given birth yet, or what the price of apples at the general store was, you'd just pick up the phone and ask. The last rural telephone operator left service almost 20 years ago. But the idea of a central clearinghouse for information is still alive and well. For another in the series Consumed by Technology, Peter Rukavina joins me now to talk about this and to tell us what he found out when he asked the question, what have they got on me? Hi, Peter. Good morning. So these operators are all gone, but their spirit lives on, I take it? Well, perhaps a, a vague shadow of their spirit, a distant cousin, you might, uh, you might call it. As you suggested, in days gone by, Rural telephone operators played a central role in community life as what you might call the, the chief keepers of information. After telephones came along, pretty well anything important that had to be communicated had to pass through the local telephone exchange. And this meant that the operators had a pretty good handle on everybody's life and their goings on. So if you wanted to know something, there's a good chance that the local operator would either know themselves or know who did. In their own way, then, they were pretty powerful people in their own communities. Now, Today, the telephone operators are gone, but what has lived on is the notion that having a central clearinghouse for information makes you a pretty powerful person in your community. In this wired world, the place that information gets stored, the clearinghouse, is not the minds of telephone operators, but it's in databases and in computers. And so today, it's really the person with the fastest computers and the best databases that holds the most power. Now, with all of that in mind, I decided to go out and seek an answer to the question, what have they got on me? I was curious to know how much information about me and my everyday life is sitting out there in the computers of the world, what it's used for, and who can get access to it. So what did you find out? Well, I started by sitting down with a piece of paper and listing out all the businesses and organizations and governments that I knew had a file on me. I, I started with things like my driver's license, my bank accounts, my social insurance number, my credit bureau record. I continued on to things like the local video store, my internet company, all the magazines I subscribe to, and, and on and on and on and on. Now, I don't tend to get surprised about much when it comes to information and technology things, but I must say I was pretty overwhelmed by the size of this list when I was done. In, in 10 or 15 minutes, I came up with almost 50 places that had some sort of information about me in their files, and, and those were just the places that I knew about. Now, once I had this long list in hand, I, I decided to zero in on a couple of the items, make some phone calls, and see what I could find out uh, exactly how uh, that information was being recorded on me, uh, what was being recorded on me, and just sort of get a handle on, on what was out there. I started with my driver's license. I, I figured that was a good place to start because it has a reputation of sort of being a, a universal card. Uh, people ask for it when you want to rent cars or videos or sign up for a check cashing card at the grocery store. I assumed that if someone had my driver's license number, I could just phone the people up at the, the driver's license bureau, uh, find out where I lived and what kind of car I owned and whether I'd run over anybody lately. And were you right? Well, actually, I was, I was quite surprised. I, I wasn't right at all. Uh, much to my <laughs> surprise, when I talked to the highway safety people in the Department of Transportation and Public Works, I was told that driver's license, uh, driver's license information is absolutely, positively confidential. The only people who could get at it were them, me, and the police. Now, I asked them why, if this was the case, people still asked my, for my driver's license number when I signed up for things that had nothing to do with driving, and they had no idea. Uh, if it was useful to others, they said, it certainly wasn't because of anything that they were doing. Now, as I said, this all came as something of a surprise to me. I'd always thought that driver's license information was public, and then I found out why I'd always thought this. Being an Ontario boy, 
I got on the phone to the Ontario Ministry of Transportation. Now, I never actually did get to talk to a real live person, but I was told by the talking computer that answered the phone that if I sent them $12 and an Ontario driver's license number, they would send me back what they call a driver record search. That lists the name and the address and three years' worth of accident and speeding ticket information for the person with that driver's license number. Now, if I lived in Ontario, I could do the same thing simply by walking up to something called a Service Ontario machine where I could slip in my credit card and I could get the goods on as many people as I could afford. Really? So they're obviously a little bit more liberal with this kind of information in Ontario. What about closer to home? Did you have a look at New Brunswick or Nova Scotia? Well, again, it seems to depend on, on where you are. The person I talked to at the Nova Scotia Department of Consumer Services gave me pretty much the same answer as I got from Prince Edward Island. Their driver's license information is not public. In fact, they seemed a little shocked that I would even bother asking for the information. In New Brunswick, however, the Motor Vehicles Branch told me that, again, if I sent them $8 to their office in Fredericton, I could get a driver record of any New Brunswick driver, and I wouldn't even need their driver's license number, just their name and possibly their date of birth. Now, I was curious in light of all this uh, to see what the American take on driver's license information was, so I headed out onto the Internet to see what I could find out there. I did a simple search for the phrase, obtain driver's license information, and wouldn't you know, the first thing that popped up was a business calling itself the Internet Department of Motor Vehicles. Seems What's that, the parking uh, <laughs> light there? <laughs> I don't know. Or the, or the, there's no wait in line, I guess. Just by filling out a form there, uh, right online, I, I give them a state name, a name of a person, and for some states, an actual driver's license number. I give them my credit card number, and for $20, they would email or fax me back any driver record for any driver anywhere in the United States. So it seems as though we might be ahead of the pack here on the island when it comes to protecting people's privacy. Well, of course, some people would suggest that we're actually behind the pack, and, and of course, that depends on who you're talking to, I guess. In fact, that brings up one of the big issues that surround keeping information about people on file, and that's the question of who owns the information. Is, for example, my driver's license file my property or the government's property? Now, you might think that someone having access to your driver's license file isn't such a big deal, but what uh, if that information is in the hands of an insurance company that turns you down because you got into an accident five years ago, it wasn't really your fault. Or a local car dealer who just uh, happens to have a deal on the latest model of the car you're driving now in your color. Mm -hmm. The point is that it's hard to foresee what use others might do with information that they have on you. Now, the situation becomes somewhat more complicated if you start looking at the issue not just of one government database or another being public, but the potential power of several of those databases combined. This is really where telephone operators got their power, not just from knowing that uh, Mr. Jones wasn't at home on Sunday night because he wasn't there to accept a long-distance call, but also knowing that he used to be married to a mysterious woman from Toronto, a woman reported to be seen in Charlottetown on Sunday <laughs> evening. Computer people call this the power of system integration. Doesn't sound as romantic. So it's not knowing all the little bits of information as much as having them all collected together. Well, I guess it, it, it's really both. Uh, now, if I continue down my list and, and uh, just look at the branches of government who have files on me, I see Revenue Canada with a complete uh, record of what I earn and, and what I spend in my business. The, the passport office with a record of my comings and goings in and out of the country, the customs office with information on what packages I've received from outside the country, the Department of Environment knows the size of my septic tank, the land office knows what my house is worth, if I owned a dog I need a license and a record of that license would be in somebody's computer somewhere. Now although I don't really consider it anyone's business uh, whether I own a dog or not or what the size of my septic tank is, I'm, I'm really not too, too concerned that that information gets out there in the, in the public view. 
Imagine, however, if all of these databases were effectively one big database. What if it was possible to go up to a machine in the mall, flip in a credit card, and for 10 or 15 bucks find out everything that the government knows about any person? Where they live, how long they've been there, what they earn, who they're married to, whatever. Now I should hasten to add that this is in fact not the case right now. There isn't, at least yet, one big database of government information. In fact, governments have been quite strict about how they share their information with other governments. But the potential is certainly there for this sort of sharing to happen. Now, if you take that example in Ontario, for example, uh, Paul heard about recently where the provincial government is trying to get access to federal government files to help them uh, track down people who are not making child support payments, you, you get some idea of the, the potential of all of it. Now, this is a, just another one of those instances where the, the basic issues themselves aren't really new. Governments have been keeping track of us for years, but the power that computers brings to the task of collating and sorting and distributing this information, it sort of changes the dynamic of the issue so much that we all have to be a little bit more vigilant about keeping an eye on what governments are doing with the information that they have about us, because they can do so much more with it than they ever could before. That's government information. What about information that's being kept on file uh, from business? Well, I'm reminded of a, of a call that my friend Leslie Niblett got when she was living in El Paso, Texas for a time. She got a call from a woman in, in Houston whose name was also Leslie Niblett. just came out of the blue one day, and uh, this woman in Houston, named Leslie Niblett, was in a hunt for Leslie Niblett that was making her life a living hell. It seems that some other ne'er-do-well Leslie Niblett in Texas had skipped out on making their J.C. Penney Department Store card payments. And that fact had been incorrectly noted on the Houston Leslie Niblett's credit file. Now, she was now trying to buy a house, and she was being turned down for a mortgage because of this blotch on her credit rating. Her only solution was to call every Leslie Niblett in Texas until she found the one who was making her life so difficult. Now, Lord knows if she ever did find her. It wasn't the Leslie Niblett that I knew. And, and even if she did find her, of course, what could she have said to, to make the situation right? I'll be back next week to talk about how this could have happened, how it could happen to you, and generally about how businesses can use information they have about us to sell us more stuff. Thanks very much, Peter. Peter Rukovina operates Dig Digital Island in Kingston, PEI. With the growth of the Internet as an educational tool, the 